Wow, can you believe it? We're already on week three of stay-at-home church. In 40 years of pastoral ministry, I never imagined I would find myself pleading with my congregation to stay home. But I am. I know many of you are still heading to work every day and taking care of other essential duties and responsibilities. But please, heed the advice we're being given to do everything we possibly can to avoid social social interaction with those outside of our immediate household. Friends, I've read far too many news stories of churches with multiple infections because they apparently thought uh, we're somehow immune because we're a church. Among many other things this week, I spent some time reading in the Psalms. On a number of occasions in the past, I've used Psalm 42 for a variety of things, sometimes as part of a funeral message. But it seemed like a good place for us to start today. I pick up with verse 40, chapter 42, or Psalm 42, verse 1. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Then skipping down to verse 10. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Friends, it's obvious that the psalmist was in a dark place. But he knew where his focus needed to be. He knew that there would come a time when his hope would be fully realized and he would praise God in the way he did before whatever crisis it was that he was currently facing took over. Because the traditional church calendar highlights a variety of things, the next two weeks provide a great opportunity for us to zero in on the concept of hope. But to start with, I want to emphasize two very important things. The bad news, I cannot give you hope. I wish I could. I wish I could send you an email with a special attachment that when opened would just instantaneously fill you with overflowing hope. But I can't. The good news, though, is that every one of you can choose hope. I know you can. And I know that nothing can stop you except for you. My message today is going to focus upon the importance of choosing to embrace the only true source of hope that transcends all challenges. Yes, even a global pandemic. Next week, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we'll look at the hope we all have for full restoration. Regardless of how bad things are, and regardless of how bad we've messed up. 
just a couple more weeks in this series, Living at the Crossroads, as we're now getting to some of the more familiar events leading up to the crucifixion. As I said before, delivering a message around major Christian holidays brings a unique set of challenges. Typically, most of your listeners have some level of understanding or awareness of the topic, and most of your listeners have some expectations as to what should be said and even how it should be said. How do I talk for 30 or 40 minutes about the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday without repeating what I've been saying for the past 40 years and or revisiting what you've been hearing for your entire life? I wish I could tell you that I had some kind of amazingly creative breakthrough as I prepared my comments for today, but that just didn't happen. So if you choose to keep listening, you'll simply be reminded of some familiar truths as we picture ourselves today at the crossroads of triumph and tragedy. Just as a quick sidebar, tip of my hat to tradition, I'm sorry, but we will not be passing out palm branches this year. But please, by all means, feel free to hit the pause button, run outside, and grab a branch of your choosing if that is something you need to complete your Palm Sunday experience. I have a strong suspicion that Very few, if any of you, uh, are just returning from outside. So let's get back to the intersection. Let's think first about the opportunity as we stand at the crossroads of tragedy and triumph to turn toward the triumph. Basically, imagine that we're going to a big, festive 4th of July parade. All of the fanfare, the bands, the hooping, the hollering the flag waving that's the triumph it goes without saying that the triumph in this story is easy to spot I mean after all the biblical name for what we have come to call Palm Sunday is the triumphal entry the first books of the New Testament that we often call the four gospels were each written by men who walked side by side with Christ literally side by side While the stories each of these writers focus upon vary, they all offer very similar descriptions of the triumphal entry. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 4 through 9, in Mark chapter 11, verses 7 through 10, in Luke 19, verses 35 through 38, and in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 15, we read very similar things. And today, because of the uniqueness of our circumstances, since we have the luxury that everyone who's listening is listening in a recorded format, if you happen to be listening with your family or others, why don't you just hit the pause button for a few minutes and look up each of those references and take take turns reading them aloud. Again, those references are Matthew 21, verses 4 through 9, Mark 11, chapter 11, verses 7 through 10, Luke chapter 19, verses 35 through 38, and John chapter 12, verses 12 through 15. 
Take a minute. Look those up. Take turns reading them. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm enough of a realist and I have enough experience with uh, human behavior to know that there are some, perhaps many, maybe even all of you, who didn't hit pause and who are just sitting there waiting for me to talk again. Since I'm not sure you looked up any of those references, I'm going to just open to Luke chapter 19 and read one of those two examples, or one of those four examples. Luke puts it this way, starting with verse 35. They brought to Jesus, they brought the colt, referring to the colt that they picked up, they brought it to Jesus, they threw their cloaks on the colt and put it, Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the ground. And when he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So that's kind of the the simple picture. We have a huge crowd of people that has gathered. And as Jesus draws near, he's been placed on a young colt. And people begin to take off their cloaks and throw them on the ground as they celebrate his arrival. Other gospel accounts tell us that, that others were taking palm branches off and waving them in the air as they shouted Hosanna and praising God in loud voices. An incredibly festive and celebratory scene. Now, many of us tend to view that scene and we can sometimes lose sight of the fact that they were not necessarily seeing Jesus the way you and I might see Jesus. They were not necessarily celebrating him the way we might if that scene were to somehow take place today with our value of thousands of years of historical hindsight. Luke gives us just a kind of a hint of the reality of that moment. Many of them were there shouting and celebrating a miracle worker. After all, Jesus had just raised someone from the dead and people continued to be abuzz about that. So some were there because of that. We think about the waving palm branches and we see that it's just kind of a spontaneous celebration, but I'm sure others of you have heard people say or you've heard others say in the past that there's some hidden meaning there in that for the, the Israelites, the, the palm branch was a symbol of national heritage and pride. So it would be like you or I waving a flag at a July 4th or Independence Day celebration. So it's important to realize that that's kind of what was going on. There was a subtle sense because they were looking, the people of Israel were living in their own land, but they were living under the oppression of Rome. And this celebration as Jesus came into town was an acknowledgement of their hopes that he was somehow going to be a political savior. So in essence, all of this triumph was a subtle way of them thumbing their noses at the Israelite, at the Roman oppression. They were saying, yes, you're in charge, but we're still our own people. 
and we're thinking that someday, maybe this man even, will set us free from your political oppression. Now, it's easy and it's fun and it's natural when we read that story for us to focus upon the triumph. But the true importance of the intersection of triumph and tragedy is found when we turn away from the triumph and we take a look at the tragedy. We sometimes undervalue the tragedy when we wave our palm leaves and sing Hosanna. The fact is, immediately following the triumph story, every one of the gospel writers shift to the tragedy of Jesus saying, most of you just aren't getting it. You're missing the whole point of my coming. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell of Jesus literally, shortly after the triumphal entry, literally turning the normal worship atmosphere of the Jews upside down because they were missing the point. They describe following the triumphal entry, Jesus going into the temple, and he is so exasperated by the way people are taking advantage of or misusing the worship experience. He begins to turn over tables, and there's a, there's a story of him making a whip and literally driving people out of the church, out of the temple, I should say, who are abusing taking advantage of what God intended to be a pure worship experience. Luke tells us at the tail end of the triumphal triumphal entry story, in Luke's account, he says, "As, as Jesus looked back over this scene of all the shouting and the singing and the and the palm waving and the throwing down the cloaks, Jesus looks back and he surveys the scene And he begins to weep. Because those he loves, the very people he came for, and those he will soon die for, refuse to get it. John describes the tragedy with a different but equally powerful story. And I invite you to turn to John chapter 12. I'm going to pick up with verse 20. And go through verse 37. And, and I know this is a lengthy passage, but please follow along as I work my way through it. Picking up with John chapter 20, excuse me, picking up with John chapter 20, um, some of your Bibles may have a, have a subsection heading here that says Jesus predicts his death. But picking up with John chapter, John chapter 12 verse 20. We read, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Now again, just a a little note here. I, I think it's really interesting that we see Philip being approached, and he in turn approaches Andrew, 
And Andrew says, let's take this to Jesus. Some of you are familiar with your New Testament will know that Andrew seems to have a knack for bringing people to Jesus. In the feeding of the 5,000, he's the one who brought the little boy who had the five loaves and the two fishes. In Peter's connection with Jesus, it's Andrew who brings Peter along. And so, again, I just see that and I think, hmm, I wonder, how are we doing with bringing people to Jesus? All right, picking back up with verse 23. So they, they, they come to Jesus and they say, these Greeks want to have a meeting with you. And Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Verse 27. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So Jesus is just pouring out his heart, and he's kind of, Lord, uh, I'm prepared to give my life so that there will be a, a huge harvest. While it may sound good to avoid what's coming, I will glorify you by walking in obedience. And then after he said this, in front of these people, says, Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Now just picture this scene. Jesus is pouring out his heart in the presence of others. And as he does so, there is a voice from heaven. Jesus, in his statement, said, Father, glorify your name. And there is a voice from heaven coming down saying, I have glorified it, glorified it and will glorify it again. What I find intriguing, compelling perhaps, is verse 29 says, The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. The entire group experienced the same thing. Some believed they had heard a voice from heaven. Others didn't believe and said it had thundered. The entire group experienced the same thing. Yet some believed and others did not. We pick up with verse 30. Jesus said, Jesus is acknowledging that there was a voice. It wasn't thunder. He said, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. 
Now the crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus told them, "You are going to have the light. You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of light." When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Jesus said in verse 36, Put your trust in the light. I think we could paraphrase that and say, Put your hope in Jesus. It's a choice. Then this passage that I'm looking at today, I'm going to stop at verse 37. It says, Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. In spite of all the apparent triumphs they had observed, there were those who chose not to believe. What a tragedy. Friends, we're in a place in our world today where there is a greater need for hope than at any other time in our lifetimes. What a tragedy if we miss out on that hope because we're distracted by false triumphs. Don't let yourself be among those who heard thunder when it was actually the voice of God speaking. Don't be one of those who refuses to believe in spite of all that God has done throughout the course of history and all that God is doing, yes, even in this very moment. Friends, if you want access to the type of hope that the psalmist described at the beginning of my message. A hope even in the darkest of times. A hope that says, yet I will praise him. Yet I will come out the other side of this because I put my hope in God. If you want that type of hope, as many of you hearing this understand, It all starts with the decision to enter into what we refer to as a real, personal, life-changing love relationship with God. And this morning, or whenever you're listening to this, wherever you are, if you have never said, I want that relationship, I invite you to pray with me right now the exact words aren't a big deal but the concept is and I encourage you to pray with me right now yes God I believe I believe that Jesus is your son 
I believe that Jesus came to earth and lived as a man. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my poor choices, for my sins. I believe that Jesus came out of the tomb on Resurrection Sunday, triumphant over sin and death. And I believe that he ascended to heaven and is this very moment seated at your right hand, reaching out to me. I believe that Jesus did all of that so that I could have hope in you and I could have a relationship with you in spite of all the stuff I've done, in spite of my imperfection. I believe, God, that Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose so that I could have a real relationship with you that gives me hope even in the difficult times. So today, Father, I receive Jesus into my life. I receive the privilege of entering into a relationship with you. And with your help, I I may not even understand all that's entailed with this, but I believe and I want to continue to grow in that belief. And so I I receive Jesus into my life by acknowledging that he is my friend. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. And Father, I invite you to continue to send your Spirit to guide and direct me that I might increasingly understand and walk in the path that you have for me. And Father, because of this belief and because I choose to receive what you have for me I'm trusting that you will daily help me to cling to the hope that I will yet praise you even in the midst of this challenge I ask these things Father in the power and in the name of your Son and my Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, for those of you who've been listening and, and listened to that prayer, but, but you know that you're already in a relationship with Christ as your Savior. And maybe you've been there for a really long time, and that's absolutely awesome. But maybe you're listening, and yes, you believe. But maybe in this crazy time, you just need a little hope booster. And so if that describes you as you listen, um, I've got a I've got a simple prayer that I encourage you to pray with me wherever you're at. And basically all I'm doing is just personalizing, inviting you to personalize Psalm forty two, verse eleven. God, I thank you for the relationship that we have. And today in these uncertain times, I just want to declare I don't have it figured out. But Father, I put my hope in you, God. For I will yet praise you, my God and my Savior. Amen. As you listen, I just want to encourage you to kind of take some action. If if you prayed either one of those prayers... I would 
be delighted to be able to continue to support you in prayer. So I invite you to send me a private message on the church's Facebook page or send me an email at caringcommunitychurch at gmail.com. Just acknowledging that. Maybe just a, a quick blast that says, Hey, Pastor, I'm in. I reached out for the hope of Jesus for the first time in my life. You send that to me, and I guarantee you, I will be praying for you as you take the next steps. Or maybe you kind of just looked out for a whole booster, and I get it, trust me. So just shoot me a, a private message or an email saying, Yes, Pastor, please pray for me as I work to make the prayer of Psalm 42 my own. Yeah, times are dark. Yes, I desperately long for God. (laughs) How ironic that Psalm 42 talks about memories of going to the house of worship together. Pastor, pray for me in this time that I will lean into that hope more and more and more. Finally, um, just want to give you a heads up. I'm working on some plans for Easter, and I encourage you to keep watch on Facebook this week for some maybe little outside-the-box suggestions from me. I suspect they may be a bit different from some of the other stuff you're getting about Easter. Um, I suspect if you choose to embrace the suggestions, they'll stretch you a bit. But hey, we're all in this together and why not grow while we're in it not just because we're eating a lot but grow spiritually while we're in it because we're in it together so until we meet again I encourage you to look to God while you look out for each other in Jesus name Amen